0: Everybody and welcome back to the Made to Lead podcast brought to you by the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign Illinois Leadership Center. My name is Michaela Hillen and I am the host of this podcast and I just want to say thank you for joining us yet again this week. In this week's episode of Made to Lead, we feature an interview with Dr. Jasmine Collins, one of the ILC faculty fellows. She is an assistant professor in the College of ACES, and specifically, she teaches for the concentration of organizational and community leadership. Her ILC Faculty Fellows research project is about campus racial climate in the digital age, and she looks at overall campus experiences of students and how it impacts how they view race on campus. Specifically, she looks at the race-related experiences and observations students have, both on campus and online, and how it shapes how they see their campuses as a whole. We discuss the personal and professional experiences as to why this research is so important to her and the impact she hopes it has on the rest of the world. Please enjoy this interview with Dr. Jasmine Collins. Jasmine and welcome to the Major to Lead podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Perfect. Can you go ahead and give us a quick introduction?
1: Um, sure. So my name is Jasmine Collins. I am an assistant professor of agricultural leadership, education, and communications at the University of Illinois. And um, specifically, I am in the organizational and community leadership concentration. So I teach courses Um mainly to undergraduate students around organizational and um, community leadership and then I also conduct research on um, student leadership development particularly looking at the experiences, environments, and and resources that support students in their um, development as leaders and engaged citizens while they're in college.
0: Cool, how long have you been at UIUC?
1: Uh, so I actually have been here since 2012, so I um, came here as a master's student in um, the College of Education, and then uh, I also got my PhD in the College of Education in the higher ed program, and then oh. I started as a faculty member. Um, I just wrapped up my third year, so this is the end of
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> and when did you become an ILC faculty fellow?
1: Uh, so this was my second year as a faculty fellow but I I am very familiar with the ILC. Um, I worked actually my very first job, well, my second job on campus was um, as a graduate assistant at the Illinois Leadership Center. Oh, cool. mm
0: -hmm. Awesome. Um, Can you give our listeners a short description of the research you're conducting?
1: Um, Sure, so the project that I um, focused on for this year as a faculty fellow with my um, research lab was called um, Campus Racial Climate in the Digital Age Student Experiences and Institutional Responses. Um, and the purpose of the study was to examine students' race related experiences and their observations of race related um, incidents, both on campus and online. We mm-hmm. um, wanted to understand how their experiences and observations, um, both online and on campus kind of shaped their perceptions of campus racial climate and institutional supportiveness.
0: And is your, is your master's thesis or your um, dissertation, is it in the same topic? Um, not necessarily.
1: So my dissertation topic was focused on um, examining student leadership development as a result of participating in a, a six-day leadership immersion program called oh, cool. Leadership, and I wanted to understand how uh, women developed as a result of this experience, um, particularly looking at um, if there were any significant differences um, between women of different racial groups um, and mm-hmm. how they identified their development on, uh, in their confidence, motivation, and skill as a result of participation. Um, so this isn't necessarily
0: related to that. Okay. So do you, is there a specific reason why you're studying this specific topic now?
1: Uh, yeah, so I think campus racial climate is, it's really important to consider as um, part of students overall campus experience. So mm-hmm. uh, as a higher ed scholar, um, I've always been very interested in campus racial climate. Yeah, as an undergraduate student, I was working for the um, Office of the Vi- Vice President for Diversity, Equity and Multicultural Affairs at Indiana University, and there were some, um, like campus protests and some upheaval around um, the experiences that black students in particular were having on campus and low enrollment numbers. Um, So representation of um, diverse student groups and faculty on campus is one component of the campus racial climate, in addition to the experiences um, and perceptions around diversity and uh, race that students have on campus. Um, So I've always been interested in that and how that influences um how students are able to feel engaged and supported Hmm. when they're on campus particularly at predominantly white
0: institutions interesting and how are you going about studying this on this campus like what is your methodology
1: Mm -hmm. um so the the data were actually collected um as part of a larger study that was conducted um, at a large predominantly white institution and so um A couple of colleagues of mine and their graduate students conducted focus groups that were um, designed to help students who were in the same, who identified as the same race. So like same race focus groups um, talk about their experiences with um, particularly like racial discrimination that they saw online and how they coped with that. Um, but part of the focus group interviews also centered on the student experiences on campus. And so that was the uh, focus for my research team because um, that's more in line with my my area of research. So uh, focus group interviews, there were 15 of them,
0: um, 56 students total. Wow. Very cool. And have you found anything interesting so far from your research? Um, yeah. So we have.
1: um found some preliminary findings related to our research questions. And I actually think, yeah. So our research uh, questions specifically were, uh, what is the nature of students' race-related experiences in virtual and in-person campus contexts? And how do these experiences inform their perceptions of the campus racial climate? Uh, We also wanted to know what policies, practices, and resources contributed to feelings of overall campus supportiveness for students. Um, and how these policies, practices, and resources influence their um, perceptions of the campus racial climate. And then we also wanted to understand um, how the virtual and in-person context seem to be related. So from our preliminary findings so far, we are seeing that students are experiencing um, tokenism, racism, and other sort of negative race-related kinds of occurrences, both online and in-person. Um, so for example, being asked to share, like, can you please share with your class your perspective, like as an Asian American on this topic or something like that. Right. And so feeling like you're being pointed out, um, as a representative of your whole racial group in front of the whole class or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, students talked about having, um, you know, kind of a negative perception, um, associated with that, uh, for the second question in terms of policies and resources, Um, students of color in particular talked about the campus uh, cultural and research uh, resource centers on their campus um, as well as diversity classes as ways that um, they felt that they were being supported on campus Um, and then given that the virtual spaces and the in-person spaces kind of seem to be connected so students view this as part of the the overall campus right even like Let's say there's a student group who has a Facebook page and then somebody posts Mm -hmm. something derogatory on that Facebook page. The students still view that as like the campus's responsibility to take action on that. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a really big thing that came out and that had um, implications for institutional leaders to think about how we might reframe our perceptions of what is the purview of the campus and um, who's responsible for making sure that students are having that positive experience and that there is some accountability. um, Even when we're seeing a lot of uh, kind of bleed over into like social media and stuff like that, that the campus might feel like, well, that's not a part of our campus. Right. So
0: Mm -hmm. I have a follow up question to that. So (laughs) in your dream world where resources are not a problem and everything is at your disposal, Mm -hmm. what would you do or how would you change, maybe not just UIUC's campus, but campuses overall, universities overall to better adapt and better equip their students when in issues of um, race and leadership and things like that?
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that um, leaders set the tone. So I think it's it's important for students to be able to see people who look like them represented in positions of power that is something that actually is within the control of the institution right so making sure that there are hiring practices put in place so that there are um, diverse faculty diverse administrators so that's one way that students can already come to campus and feel like they are a part of the campus community and that people who look like them and come from where they come from are represented um, and then I think when things do happen on campus, making a very strong stance um, as an administration to say this won't be tolerated, this is not what we stand for as an institution, and then following up about that. So students said that just sending a mass email when something happens or or not saying anything at all. So sometimes they, they might point to an incident where everyone knows it happened on campus or everyone knows that this facebook page popped up or something like that but nobody's talking to them about it directly and then there's no follow-up about what happened where the student suspended where it was an investigation Mm -hmm. conducted um so just really having that transparency and being more than just talk but having some actionable um, steps around that and maybe even like a a reporting system right where students Mm -hmm. can like flag inappropriate or derogatory comments or pages and maybe have like a dedicated campus unit um, that's whose job it is <laughs> you know mm-hmm. to help, uh, respond to those incidences or um, yeah be proactive and I wouldn't say monitoring but just kind of keeping an eye on the way that um, the students and campus community are interacting when they're not on campus physically right so in those uh, virtual spaces.
0: I feel like that's sort of like a gray area that we're starting to learn more about is this whole digital space and how it relates to universities. Um, So it's like an ongoing challenge that we all have to face and all universities have to eventually come to terms with the fact that just as much is happening online as it is on the campus itself. So like, how do you control it? How do you, or not, how do you control it, but how do you monitor it? How do you make sure everybody's safe and happy and um, nobody's feeling less than or, or, um, anything like that. So it's very interesting, your research. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I'm really excited about this project and um, really thankful for my collaborators in HDFS and communication that um, invited me to be a part of this project. And then for my own research team who have really been um, digging into the focus group transcripts and um, helping with the process of coding and all of that. So I'm um, really excited to see the paper when it's in, when it's in print.
0: Mm -hmm. That's super exciting. Um, Do you have any advice for people who want to grow in their leadership skills?
1: Uh, Yes, I I was thinking about this a little bit. Um, I think the first thing if you want to grow in your leadership skills is that you have to recognize that leadership is something that can be learned Mm -hmm. um, and that that leadership is really a journey. It's not a destination. It's not... um, something that you are born into necessarily, I guess, unless you live (laughs) like in an aristocracy or something like that. But um, it's not something that you're born into, right? So I think the most effective and best leaders are the ones who are always learning. Um, And so I think once you come to terms with the fact that leadership can be learned, then you can focus on what it is that you um, want to develop, whether that's communication skills or uh, relationship building skills I think when you're an emerging leader um, I think that's I think it's far more important to focus on the human elements and how do you build relationships and how do you communicate with people uh, rather than the technical or managerial elements of how is this mm-hmm. going to play out procedurally because I think that, that that's something that's a little bit more context specific but how you treat people um, is I think paramount
0: yeah And in your opinion, why does leadership research and leadership education matter? So leadership education and leadership research matter
1: because leaders and leadership, it it just touches all areas of our lives. Um, And from my perspective, I think one really important thing that separates leaders or people who we designate as as leaders, what separates those people from other people is um, power. So the power to make decisions um, or the power to influence decision making um, so we need research to understand the impact of those leadership structures, modes, practices, the pipelines of how people get into um, positions of power and how how they use that power um, and whether this is working and who is it working well for and and why um, mm-hmm. I think that's a really important first step um, and to understand how that operates in different contexts, whether that's education or um, industry or or government or whatever that may be um, and then as far as education I think it's really important to have leadership education and to recognize that leadership education is important is because leadership is a very taken for granted socio-cultural process mm-hmm. I think um, we know that it happens but we don't pay a lot of attention to it we we assume that however the leadership structure is set up is is how it's supposed to be. And I think it's really important to um, interrogate that and then help learners to interrogate their own beliefs and focus on um, engaging with them to provide them knowledge and skills to help them lead in more effective and ethical and equitable ways. At least that's, I think, what the function of leadership education
0: should be. Okay, so now we are going to transition into our fun, funky five, woo. Um, So before this interview, Jasmine chose five questions to answer, and I'm going to ask them semi-rapid fire, um, and we'll see what you say. Okay. So question number one, what song do you love to sing when you're alone in the car? So I actually picked um,
1: Everlong by Foo Fighters, with the caveat that I don't necessarily love to sing this song by myself, but... With my uncle, we love the drum solo part. i mm. like to rock out to that song. So Everlong by Foo Fighters. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what was the last book you read? Uh, so it was actually an audio book. I just finished last week. And it's called Wally Roo, Quantum Mechanic. It's by Nick Carr. And it's narrated by William Jackson Harper, who I, I guess played on The Good Place, although I haven't seen that. Oh. Show, although I heard the show is really good. It is good. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's about... A teenage boy, and he's a a genius, and he's going around and he's fixing anomalies in space time. So he's a <laughs> quantum awesome mechanic, um, but on a deeper level, it's really about like identity and family. Um, so the main character, he he's black, but he was adopted into a white family and like goes to an all white school, and like through his ability to manipulate space time and the fabric of the universe, he's able to kind of enter a different reality and see what his life would have been like if he was never put up for um, adoption so it's really whimsical and really fun but I think it also has some really like touching human and like coming of age and identity kind of themes to it as well so I would definitely recommend it it was a lot of fun
0: it sounds fascinating Uh, tell us about the best vacation you've ever been on
1: This one was tough because I really love to travel. Um, But I would say one of the most like meaningful vacations that I've been on was uh, my thirtieth birthday last year. I planned a trip to New Orleans, and I don't normally do really big things for my birthday, but I thought thirty was a big one. Um, Mm -hmm. I invited a bunch of friends and family, and there were about fifteen of us, and we like split two Airbnbs, and it was just like some of my favorite people from like my whole life, you know, like from parents to people I grew up with to friends from college and grad school and current friends and so it was just a really like great mix of people who will like never again probably all be in the same room at the same time like Mm -hmm. in that way um and then new orleans of course food and and just seeing the sights and everything so that was one of probably the most memorable uh trips or vacations that i've ever been on
0: that sounds super special it was if success were guaranteed what career would you choose
1: (sighs) I try to find a loophole in this one (laughs) and if success were guaranteed, I think I would just be like a serial entrepreneur. Um, I get kind of bored. I have a lot of ideas. I don't think I could be like, even as a faculty member, right. I think that's, well, a success is not, (laughs) is not guaranteed, but, um, I think being an academic is also entrepreneurial in a way because you Mm -hmm. get to um, study things that are really important to you, but you also want to make sure that they're, um, improving practice and that they're timely and relevant. Um, so I think there's some overlap there, but yeah, I would just, if success were guaranteed, I would just be an entrepreneur and I would do all the things that come to mind.
0: Very cool. And our final question, what profession did you want to have as a child? Um, so I actually wanted to be a chiropractor. I know that's
1: really weird, but I was an athlete, um, growing up from middle school all through high school. And I really believed and still believe really in like ho- holistic wellness and like preventative care. Um, so I I really wanted to go into a field where I felt like I could help people without the use of like prescription drugs and things like that. Um, so I'm still, I'm still interested in maintaining a, um, a well-balanced and healthy lifestyle, but uh, I couldn't really get through like organic chemistry. So mm-hmm. I decided a career in medicine wasn't
0: for me. (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much, Jasmine. And with that comes the end of this week's episode of the Made to Lead podcast. So Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Made to Lead podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign Illinois Leadership Center. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. Most importantly, don't forget that you are made to lead.